Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider Balance of Terror, which aired Stardate 1709.1. The Enterprise investigates the lack of response from Earth Outposts 2 and 3, which are monitoring the neutral zone between the planets Romulus and Remus and the rest of the galaxy, i.e. the Romulan Empire. Using his authority as ship's captain, Kirk is preparing to solemnize the marriage between crew members Angela Martin and Robert Tomlinson. However, the ceremony is interrupted when Earth Outpost 4 reports itself under attack by an unknown space vessel. The Earth Outposts have been constructed on asteroids and were authorized by the treaty following the atomic war between the Romulans and the Federation more than a century previously. No human or Romulan has ever seen each other. Navigator Stiles is especially bitter because his ancestors were killed in the Earth-Romulan War, or the Federation-Romulan War. As the Enterprise communicates with Outpost 4, Commander Hansen reports an attack underway by an unknown weapon from a spaceship which subsequently vanished. Immediately thereafter, the attacking starship becomes visible briefly, destroys the outpost, and then vanishes again. However, Kirk is able to track it despite its cloaking device and flies on a parallel course. Spock is able to lock into the Romulan transmissions, and the crew of the Enterprise gets a glimpse of the Romulans, who look suspiciously like Vulcans. This anatomical resemblance of Romulans and Vulcans leads Navigator Stiles to question Spock's allegiances. Meanwhile, the Romulan commander questions the mission of starting a war and discusses it with his number one, the Centurion. Aboard the Enterprise, scanners show debris from Outpost 4 contains disintegrated cast roginium, which is the hardest substance known to science. And Spock surmises that a plasma weapon must have been used. The Enterprise takes advantage of the passage of the Romulan vessel through a magnitude 7 comet trail to attempt an attack. However, the Romulans are planning to turn and attack the Enterprise once the comet has rendered its sensors ineffective. Kirk fires phasers at random in hopes of hitting the Romulans and scores a minor hit. Unfortunately, this overloads the phasers and renders them temporarily unusable. The Romulans fire a plasma ball and the Enterprise retreats at full speed. Fortunately, the plasma ball dissipates before impact or at least partially before impact. The Enterprise fires again and does only minor damage. However, the Romulan ship ejects debris, including the body of the Centurion who was killed in the second Enterprise attack. The Enterprise then sits motionless for almost 10 hours, hoping the Romulan ship will make a move and reveal itself. Spock accidentally sets off an alarm while fixing the phasers, and the Enterprise becomes man- begins maneuvering and fires another salvo. The Romulan vessel then ejects debris inside of which is placed a nuclear device. Spock detects the metal object, and the Enterprise destroys it before running into into it, but sustains 22 casualties, mostly radiation burns. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Styles and Tomlinson are overcome by gas in the phaser room, but Spock is able to get there and fire the phasers manually. This is enough to render the Romulan ship inoperative, and its captain then self-destructs. Tomlinson dies, but Spock is able to save Styles. Kirk must then comfort Martine over the death of her fiancé. Fun fact, Gene Roddenberry picked this as one of his ten favorite episodes for Star Trek's 25th anniversary, which was published in TV Guide, if you remember that magazine, in August 31 of 1991. So what are some of the compliance lessons from this episode? Well, probably the biggest overriding lesson was that of racism. Styles is blatantly racist in this case, in this episode. He hates the Romulans, even though he's never seen the Romulans. And indeed, no Earther has ever seen a Romulan. So uh, his prejudice goes to Mr. Spock when it appears that the Romulans and the Vulcans, at one point in their prior history, were had common ancestors. And this racism and prejudice permeates the episode. Kirk makes clear that there is no room for prejudice on his bridge. And as a CCO, you must make clear there is no room for prejudice in your organization. But this is beyond racial prejudice. This is uh, fairness. This is treating people fairly. Obviously, overt racism, I think, is something that most companies have taken out of the workplace, although unfortunately, uh, with the rise of the alt-right and Trumpism, this racism has reappeared in American society in full force. But most corporations are able to keep this out of the workplace, but it goes further than simply racism. You have to have fairness, and you have to have consistency, and you have to treat people the same under the same set of rules. And as a CCO, this is all a part of what your task and remit is. Second, uh, many companies understand the need, and many CCOs understand the need for a speak-up culture, but a speak-up culture is more than having people who are willing to speak up. A speak-up culture is also listening. So have you trained your middle management on how to listen when someone comes in with a complaint or other issue that they need to raise? This has become increasingly important, and I'm reminded of one company in an employee survey who found that employees said they they really wanted to report issues to their direct supervisor and not report anonymously or non-anonymously through a a hotline or other reporting system. Uh, And the company realized it had not trained its middle management around this issue. So train middle management, uh, give them the tools, tell them uh, how to listen and then how to report back up to the organization. And then finally... Uh, One of the key things I think that came out of the Me Too movement was not simply increased awareness of harassment, but the requirement that if someone sees something happening, it is the responsibility now of the person who sees it to say something. That means if you're a witness to racism, if you're a witness to discrimination, if you're a witness to prejudice, you now have an obligation to speak up, to raise this issue. 
not simply to go to protect the person who may be attacked, who may be harassed, who may be discriminated against, but I think uh, a more responsible culture and a more responsible CCO would advocate for other people to speak up when they see something as opposed to simply when it happens to them. So if you see something, say something. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for our next episode when we take up the fan favorite Shore Leave. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.